Welcome to King Size, Survivor Type. With Matt Robinson. So everybody, constant listeners, welcome. Welcome to King Size uh, Survivor Type. And we have a very, very special episode lined up for you today with a very special guest. Uh, today, our castaway is a friend of the show and local independent bookstore owner, Alex of Four Bears Bookshop. Alex has been instrumental in ensuring that many of our listeners have been shipped the right covers for the new release of the Hodder Stephen King paperbacks. We know that many people have been left tearing their hair out over the online stores, consistently sending the wrong editions. And I always say, go straight to the expert, go straight to the man, straight to the source. Um, so it's brilliant that Alex and Four Bears have been connecting with so many of you already. Alex's shop is at the very heart of our little community and his championing of the power of the portable magic is second to none. Alex, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for those kind words. That's uh, very, very kind. Oh, mate, my absolute pleasure. Well, uh, this is the kind bit because in a moment I'm going to throw you... <laughs> out of the plane, into the waves, and onto the island. So so that's when things start to get a little meaner. But again, as you know, you're going to have some things for company. But before we hear your choices, um, tell us a bit about yourself, Alex, and your King Connection. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm so excited to be here and talking to you today. So uh, my name's uh, Alex. I've born and lived in Reading uh, pretty much all my life. And uh, I opened up the shop uh, December 2020, so just two and a bit years ago. Before that, I was in financial services for 15 years. And um, I've just loved books. And uh, there was an opportunity to open a bookshop. And I thought, uh, absolutely, let's give this a go uh, and, and, and see what happens. And it's just been the best ride ever. It's um, There's a very cheesy story that I went on a date with a girl and uh, she said, what are you doing with your life? And I said, uh, I've left my job and I'm opening up a bookshop. Um, she said that was the line that got me the second date. Um, <laughs> A couple of years on, uh, we've got a, a beautiful baby girl. I'm living with her and her 11-year-old uh, son, and uh, just life is very full. I'm very, very blessed and just, I'm very, yeah, just life-rich at the moment. It's absolutely brilliant. And and in terms of Stephen King, as I said, I, I love books. And one conversation I have with a lot of our customers is that the children's book that the children's books available these days is just so different to what we had when we were little. And I yeah. found that when I was around 12, 13, um, I don't know if you ever read Point Horror. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so sort of US uh, titles like Trick or Treat and yeah, yeah. Uh, The Beach House and, and stuff like that. And um, they were fine for when I was 12, 13. But then I wanted to get on to something a little bit heavier, a little bit darker, something that was more than 200 pages long. And um, I found uh, I found the world of, of Stephen King and, and Dean Koontz. I can't I can't not name him because he was someone I was reading at the same time. And uh, yeah, and then King just took off from there. So you opened the bookshop just before this little thing called COVID hit. Wow! I mean, you talk about a ride. What What was that like? Well, so it was actually mid pandemic. So oh, it was mid pandemic. So it was it was the first Christmas of the pandemic over here. So yeah. um, I was due to open in November, and yeah. uh, we had a localized lockdown. So just people in Berkshire had to shut down while yeah. lots of people stayed open. And I was due to open that November, and uh, I couldn't. So I did click and collect instead. Mm. And 
when I was planning on opening the shop, one of the things that many people thought as well as me was this isn't going to last for long. You know, mm. we'll be, you know, lockdown will be over in a, a month and we'll all laugh about this one day. And and as as the months and weeks drew on, uh, I was just like, well, you know, it it, it will end at some point. So yeah. and by then I'd got too far in that I had to sort of carry on. And uh, so our opening was delayed by a month and we opened December 2020 uh, for 17 amazing days. Uh, the shop was so busy, uh, lots of people because it was a new shop, lots of people because it had been locked down and they'd all been locked yeah. up for ages. They only had three weeks to do all their Christmas shopping. I thought that first week, this is going to be the easiest gig. You know, they they told me I wouldn't make money from book selling uh, and I didn't believe them. I was like... <laughs> I could open a second shop within a year at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the government shut us down, uh, seven, as I said, 17 days later. And that was yeah. a bit of a blessing, actually, because some things hadn't gone well in the first 17 days. Mm. And I was exhausted. Uh, yeah, I I'd, I'd put the last six months into getting it open in time. So, I, um, you know, after we shut for 17 days, I just slept. And, yeah. and then when I came back, I was just like, right, what worked well, let's keep doing that. What didn't work well, how can we change it? And although we had to wait until I think it was April, May 2021 until we could open our doors again, the shop was so much better. And and everyone said that as well. They said, actually, we can already see how much you've improved it from, from that little bit that we learned. I could have done with it opening sort of January, February from a financial point of view, but yeah, you know, it was it it was tough in lockdown, but it, there was lots yeah. of lessons with it as well in that, you know, even with the click and collect, I got to know who our suppliers were yeah. and how the ordering system worked and what time of day. And there wasn't any pressure in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I don't tell many people this, but I used to have a little nap in the shop <laughs> during click and collect. Uh, <laughs> and wake me up just saying, are you open today? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, little si little siestas. I mean, Spanish style. It, it's, it's, it's an approved way of making the most of the day. It's, yeah. It's so, smart. So, so some of me was a bit miserable to open after lockdown. I was like, when am I going to get these naps in? So, um, <laughs> no, it, 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 you know, lockdown was tough. And then when we got through that, we've got this cost of living crisis in the UK, which yeah. is just like another sort of, punch to the guts but we're, we're still going we're still we're still doing okay and we're just taking each day as it comes yeah brilliant well again you know so many people books uh was such a lifeline during that pandemic and and during that time where people were locked down the power of being able to lose themselves in stories and and and, and fiction and non-fiction and all the portable magic that king refers to as a book i i think it really came to the fore and uh you were you were distilling that magic my friend well listen i want to hear more and more as we go through but right now what we're going to do is we are going to cast you onto the island and it's our special king themed island so you're not going to be alone of course not you're going to have three stephen king novels uh, that you can take with you you're going to have a non-king book and i mean you know wow talking to someone who runs a bookstore I, this is just this must have been a very hard choice to make or maybe not we'll find out um you're going to have an album to take with you a film a luxury item uh, a podcast and also, and I know this seems a little wrong talking to someone who's such a book lover, there is going to be a king that you can throw onto the flames uh, and use uh, for the fire. Um, so, Alex, the island is there. 
we know that you've got a beautiful, very young little girl. And that means that those sleeps, those siestas, those naps, are uh, they're not happening. So you're going to be able to get some sleep on this island. <laughs> okay. So that is one thing we can give you. But in your waking hours, you're going to do some reading. And talk us through what your first Stephen King book is that you are taking onto the island with you and why. So my first book, and, and actually a lot of my choices are quite, nostalgic for me but the first one is uh the green mile um Ooh. and um part of the reason for this actually is that as as you'll know and many people know it first came out as a serial and i bought that first book i still remember buying that first volume and um i absolutely loved it and the funny thing about it was in my school bag so i'd have, I'd have been about 15 i think at the time um, I spilt a toffee yogurt in my, it just exploded in my bag. And this copy of the first volume of, of uh, the Green Mile was just covered in this yogurt. And I kept it and I carried it around. Teachers <laughs> in class were saying, can someone smell something? And I knew <laughs> it was a Stephen King book rotting in my bag like, later. But I think you'd be quite proud of that, Alex. Yeah. It's kind of. <laughs> and I just, uh, I just absolutely loved the book. And I just found it so beautiful. And one thing I didn't say about myself is I was a cinema manager for five years and uh, at one stage I was going to open up my own cinema. And so films are very important to me as well. And I just, I think the Green Mile film is one of the best adaptations from a book to a film that I can think of. There's, there's only a couple. Yeah. Uh, the, the Prestige is another one that's a really good film. Yes. I think the book's terrible. Um, but, but there are so many that don't do it justice. And I think the film did its justice in a beautiful way. But then when you go back into the book, the books, you know, it's got that gore and it's got that grit. When you read the end of the green mile is there is hope. And so when you read it for the first time, you had it in those episodic, you know, yeah. what? Yeah. Likewise. So there's something so powerful about that. Just, I think looking at it now where say, you know, we, we have anything that's an episode and I tend to binge it like most people, you know, you wait till you've got them all, you know, you watch something on Netflix, you watch it in one go, you get a book, a blockbuster, you, you, you devour it. Something really rare, isn't there about, you know, for those of us that read the Grimoire when it came out, you'd read, you know, one, one volume, then you'd have to wait a month for the next one. And, you know, just as Dickens used to do it, something really cool about that. Oh, definitely. And what I loved and it's part of the reason maybe why I love the book is that every time a new one came out, I'd read all the preceding volumes just to keep myself up to date. So, yeah. you know, I feel I know that first volume and, and I sort of wish that they'd republished them as a as separate ones because I think that would still be really cool. Um, but yeah, that first volume, I, I think for a while I knew better than I knew anything else because I just kept rereading it, rereading it as, as I got a new one. But it sort of got spoiled at the end because my parents bought me five and six together and I was like, oh, I was quite, I quite liked the little gap between. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hold six. Give it to me yeah. in a month's time, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a such a such a powerful book. And you said in your blog, Alex, about you know, I don't think there is anything better than a good book. What is it that defines a good book for you? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I think, I think. So there, there are two levels. There is a good book and then there's a great book. Mm. Now, you know, a good book is something that you can just get a bit of escapism from the world. You can sort of dive in, you can enjoy it. And it's just, 
it's just nice being traveled to different worlds, different countries, different times. Yeah. That, that's all fan, fantastic. But when you get some special books, and, and these are, for me, these are much rarer, um, where you don't want to pick up because you're getting too close to the end. Yeah. And you can't read anything not long afterwards because it's not the same characters or the same place. And when you're reading it, you just, I, you know, with the Green Mile, I wanted to work on the Green Mile. I wanted to to, to walk those steps and chat yeah. to the prisoners and play with Mr. Jingles. And I think that the great books really do transport you there and yeah. you just long to be part of it. And as I said, you, you know, you, uh, you know, you, you want to turn every page so quickly, but equally so slowly. And you're just mm. caught really in a um, sort of a juxtaposition of, of do I read or not read? Because if I read it, it's going to be gone and I don't want to lose it. Yeah, there is that 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 connection. They're more than just words or typeface on, on a page, right? And I felt really sorry for him when he had his, uh, his infection. I was just like, I just wanted to give him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> just like, come on, it will be okay. Go to the docks, get some meds. It will, it will be fine. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, but as it, you know, you're absolutely right. You want to be their friends. And, and yeah. uh, you know, when they're having some of their meetups and, you know, they're, they're having a, sort of the barbecue around the warden's house, you know, yeah. love to be a seat on that table just um, and, and picturing myself there. Yeah. And, and that scene in particular, Alex, I love it in the way that, you know, obviously – they're dealing with something they've seen that they can't explain that is, that is supernatural that, you know, has the power to being, you know, this incredible power. And I love the fact that Paul is so rational though, you know, and he's having to convince these very hardened earthy men, look, we're going to do something here that potentially will risk all our lives. will risk all our careers, but stick with me because the payoff here could be remarkable and and obviously they use that power for for good, but it's such a beautiful, beautifully constructed and paced centerpiece of, of the whole scene, and a testament to these men and their friendships and, and their oh, benevolence, right? Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. And I think you know Stephen King does characters so well. Yeah. Um, and I just think every character in this book he is absolutely nailed, and then that that then is transported onto the screen, where I think the casting was was mm. perfect it was exactly as the mind's eye uh just yep. came to life on the screen but you know you go back and you you think about what you would have been decided around that table if someone who you trusted and respected and said mm. let's let's do this mm. and i try to think well how would i have reacted and, and everything like that and it's the questions that stephen king asks you yeah. to think about how humans react and you know whether the monsters are real monsters or actually the, the monsters within and, and 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 next to us and um it's it's all of that dialogue and just thinking through that process it's it's something really special yeah and as you say king writes character so well for me what makes him the writer that he is is his ability to make these characters just pure flesh and blood and and, and you can feel the blood pumping beneath the skin and he is so much more than a horror writer for you in the bookshop, um, for those that uh, you know don't don't know the bookshop, would you put King under H for horror, or do you put him under K for King? Uh, so K for King, partly because I don't have a horror section. Mm. Um, uh, so, but it is a tough one. Uh, generally, I would do K for King. I think yeah. because because his work is so broad, and when you come to one of my other picks. It's, it's it's not a horror 
book. Yeah. It's, uh, and there are books. Um, and, and even when you look at uh, Rita Hayworth and, and the Shawshank Redemption, mm. you know, it's, that's not a horror, uh, a horror book. Or, um, so you then get a, a problem of, well, do you have him over split locations? Uh, yeah. and, and that's generally why in the shop I have quite a large fiction area and then I just have a crime and a, a sort of sci-fi and fantasy yeah. because I think that there are so many great authors that uh, straddle different genres and if I put too many genres in the in the shop, people will never be able to find what they're looking yeah. for. Because there'll be king over here, king over there, and uh, um, and some of that is just due due to misfile it. But you know, I can explain that one. It's... <laughs> yeah, Green Mom, you've got it. That that's your that's your first king that's going with you. That's saved from the waves for sure. And what a great choice. So, Alex, what's your second king and why? So, my second book is. Uh, is uh, the Batman books? Oh, now tell on. Tell I, I have on. to confess, it is it is really just the Long Walk that gets this in. Yeah, um, I just absolutely love the Long Walk. I just I remember sitting in my school library reading it when I was uh, about fourteen, fifteen, and just thinking it was just absolutely amazing. Uh, I love the character of Garrity, and if the Long Walk was published on its own then the long walk might have got in, but I also quite like the running man. So I was like, well, actually, yeah, I would, you know, I'll just put the the whole uh, sort of publication of the Batman books in. But I just think the, the tension and, and being a teenager reading it, looking at these hundred teenagers that are going on this ridiculously long walk where the consequences are so severe. Um, I just, it just had me absolutely gripped and I panicked every time I got cramp after reading that book. Cause I just thought, oh yeah, <laughs> And I don't start moving, the gun <laughs> come up and uh, and 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 get me. And, and I think that was one of the really special. There were two, other than the ending, which is sort of special in its own way. There were two parts of the book that I, I go back and I reread from time to time. One is uh, the watermelon scene where Garrity gets given half the watermelon, and he's just describing, you know, the, the juices running up down his mouth and on his face and down his throat. And um, and then the other one is when Harkness has a bit of cramp and has to take off his shoe and he gets the first warning and then the second warning and the guns come up and everyone around can't look because they know what's about to happen. And then all of a sudden Harkness just catches up with them because he's he's managed to get his shoe and he's got back above the four miles an hour. The tension that created without any real payoff because nothing happened was just absolutely amazing. I'd, I'd loved it. And um I did think uh, when we talked about having this chat, I was like, oh, I must reread The Long Walk. Mm. I forgot how long it was as well. I kept thinking it was a short story, but it's, yeah. you know, it's a good it's good 200 plus pages. I was like, I might not be able to squeeze that in. But uh, but yeah, the, the, the whole episode, and I think looking back at this as well, is uh, I do 100 kilometre walks from time to time. So I've done seven in total so it's about 66 miles they mm. take around 20 24 hours wow um and that's going straight through and when i reread it and i read that they were on day seven of their walking and i just thought well i know what i felt like after half a day walking <laughs> and you know only you know it must be so, all sorts of mental and physical pain to be still walking six days later and i think king does a really good job of yeah. getting that through the writing as well there's an, another author that I'm going to mention, uh, Sarah Pinborough, and her and Stephen King have this unique ability to 
uh, say so much in so few words. Sarah Pindra wrote the foreword to the special edition Cujo uh, edition. Uh, that there were only, um, uh, I can't remember how many copies there were, but there, there weren't that many um, copies uh, published. And uh, I, I've, I've met Sarah a couple of times and I remember her saying that she was really nervous seeing Stephen King signing the book that she was also going to have to put sign these limited editions and she was just like just don't get it wrong you know <laughs> yeah. my name, but, but, don't get it. <laughs> but both of them as you say take transporting you there and presenting um presenting what it was like and mm. conveying that so succinctly is is a real skill that that they both have and for you, you know, as you said, some of the books, you know, you've reread and some you don't. I mean, what's your policy on that? Because, I mean, obviously you are surrounded every day by by hundreds, thousands of beautiful books. Um, do you do you read and then go, right, next one? What's, what's your relationship like with the book? So <clears throat> it very much depends on the book. Uh, and some of it is down to laziness. So sometimes I want to read but I don't want to get up from where I'm sat in the house. So it is literally whatever book I can reach. It's uh, <laughs> a good policy. Yeah. And if I've already, if I've already read it, then, then I'll start reading it again. I think, so when I moved in with Claire, who, 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 um, uh, the, the, the mother of my darling daughter, um, uh, I had about 800 books. Yeah. And she said, you have space for about 30 books. <laughs> oh, wow. So, now that's quite a, that's quite an epic cull. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that are my clothes. It was a sad, sad couple of days. As I went through that. But so with the books, I I went through, and it was a case of, am I going to read this book again in the in the next six months? Yeah. Or is this book special because of some sentimental reason, or yeah. you know, it's signed or, or something like that? And then basically everything else went to the charity shop, and at the moment we've got a strict one in one out policy of books in the house. So everything I read has to leave before I can bring another book. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In terms of rereading. Guest um, policy. That that is brilliant. I love it. Okay. Right. One in one out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Your name's not down. You're not coming in. Right. Hang on. No, no, no. We're we're too crowded here. (laughs) I've I've, I've been smuggling them in through like shopping bags and stuff. (laughs) Don't. No, listen, if Claire hears that now, you're going to be in trouble. All right. You're going to have to, I'll have to edit that bit out. Or (laughs) I've also, uh, I've also hid some behind the 11 year old's books uh, on his book. So there's a layer there. So I'm managing to get them in. Yeah. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it's so so. But there are a handful that I'll reread, and um, sometimes on long car journeys, I'll get audible, and I'll be like, you yeah. know what, I want I want to hear King's words again, so I'll put on yeah. I'll put on that, and uh, and so I, I don't reread too much these days. There's just with the advanced copies we get, so I get about fifteen advanced copies into the shop a week, and just wow. I don't even try and keep up with that, but. I want and what does that? Yeah, just to just talk talk us through what, what's what's the advanced copy and what does that mean? And so it's generally a book that's going to be published within the next six months, yeah. and the publishers send it out to say we want you to love this book and you to stock this book, and okay. then they they send them out to book bloggers, uh, shops. Yeah. You know, I I think they probably don't really care what Four Bears Books thinks of uh, their their book because I don't do huge numbers like sort of the the Waterstones and Amazons. But mm-hmm. you know, any positive social media and and, mm. and stuff is is good for them. 
so um yeah i said so i get about 15 advanced copies uh and i will the ones that really grab my interest i'll put to one side and read i did i did get burnt a little bit when i first opened the shop because um there was a publicist that said this book is going to be the next big thing it's going to be huge it's going to be uh, amazing and uh i bought a lot of copies of that book and uh it was a terrible book and um it did not sell one copy and i've still got those uh all those copies that i've you know now discounted and i'm just trying to get rid of basically <laughs> and there were earlier we talked about good and great books for for me, mm. as well, there's a difference between a terrible book and a book that I don't like. So there are books that aren't my cup of tea, mm. which is, is fine. I, I respect that. I know what I like and what I don't like, and um, and uh, so so and I'm very honest with that with the customers. Yeah. But then there's some books that they just contradict themselves, you know. Or um, there was one I read the other day, and someone had a memory, and the memory was so powerful it knocked the person off their feet, and it took them five minutes to get up. And I just thought, how many people have I ever seen in the world fall over? And I say, are you okay? Oh, yeah, sorry. I had a really strong memory that just knocked me off my feet. It was just, it just really frustrated me that there was <laughs> an editor there saying, really? You're knocking them down with a memory? You know, and the memory wasn't even that traumatic. It was about a balloon or something, which... Um, <laughs> hey, if, was it a red balloon? Well, no. Because that is pretty traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah exactly it was just and so and so this book that didn't sell i just thought was a terrible book and actually mm. I, I spoke to the publicist uh about a year later and they said it wasn't the book they thought they were going to get and okay yeah um so they then pushed the marketing to try and sort of uh the yeah. makeup shortfalls that the, the, the book may have itself so um so you know i'd, I'd like to read advanced copies because uh, I don't trust publicists. <laughs> very, very wise. And how much, yeah, how many pages in do you give a book before you go, you know what? Nah, it ain't for me. And there's a stack of other advanced copies and books to read. What I'm, do you I'm give it? I'm terrible. I, I read the whole thing. You do the whole I, thing? Yeah, because yeah. I, I'm an optimist and I want to give the book the chance to prove me wrong. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm also a big believer that books, TV, music, any sort of art form is very dependent on what mood you're in at the time. Yeah. And uh, one of my favourite books is a book that talks about an old Irish farmer. And I read it just after my granddad had died, who is an old Scottish farmer. And mm. I just saw my granddad in that book. And yeah. I, I do think some of my emotional attachment to that book is because how it related to me <clears throat> at that moment. And I think if I'd read it, before my granddad died or sort of now even i don't think i would i would get the same love and and yeah. that i have um so so i do sometimes if i'm a bit cranky i think actually i may not enjoy the beginning because i was just in a bad mood let's yes. see if it can win me round uh, and then it doesn't i'm just annoyed at myself and i, I say you deserve to read a bad book you <laughs> yeah you need to then purge it and have a really yeah. good one. But again, yeah, I love what you say about, you know, 
yeah, it depends what you bring to it and the emotions you're in. I know a lot of our listeners will know that when I was on um, on this island, a couple of castaways before your good self, uh, one of my king books was Dreamcatcher. Now, Dreamcatcher is universally pretty much hated, and you know people are really you took that, and the reason was because of the emotional attachment. I remember yeah. reading that book just after I'd lost my mum. You know, very very young and was it was something that was pure escapism and it just completely transported me and i didn't for you know just while i was reading it i wasn't thinking of sadness and grief and because of that i'm like right there that's it yeah. that that's the one it's the emotional attachment um so but yeah very nice so yeah you give it a good go and i like that you're an optimist so <laughs> the funny thing about dreamcatcher is uh i'll was working at the cinema when the film came out and we previewed the films at like two oh, in the yeah. morning. And um, uh, everyone was saying, oh, I don't really, I don't really know much about this dream catcher. I'm, I'm going to go home. And I said, no, come on. It's Stephen King. I hadn't read the book at that point. I said, it's Stephen mm. King. It's going to be amazing. And then we watched it. And they, <laughs> oh, yeah. they still blame me, uh, you know, <laughs> 20 years later. Oh yeah. Remember when you made us sit through that rubbish? film? <laughs> Lovely. So we've got some optimism and some hope with with King in the Green Mile, and then some of the darker darker sprinklings of the Backman books and and that alter ego as Backman. Very nice. But what is going to be your third and final King book that you're taking with you? So it was going to be The Mist, Ooh. but I then came back to. So I was just seeing where it was eleven twenty two sixty three. And and the reason why there was a bit of dilemma is uh, I, I, I thought the mess was just excellent, and I had I've got issues with the ending of eleven twenty two sixty three, but what I always come back to for me, going back to what we were talking about, a, a good and a great book is the ending isn't that important to me. If it's all about the journey for me, you know, I, I read a lot of crime and thrillers, and if the payoff at the end. As long as it isn't something that's unfairly tricked me, you know, yeah. like it was all a dream or, you know, it was, oh, we had a twin brother that we didn't know about, you know. <laughs> yeah, the Bobby Ewing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, as, as long as it's not that and and it's plausible, then yeah. I don't, the, the ending doesn't hold any greater sort of power than than the rest of the book. And that's what I come back to with uh, 11-22-63. The, the amazing thing for me as well is anyone that comes in says i've never read any stephen king it's the book that i can give them and say yeah. this isn't what you think stephen king is like you know it's still beautifully written going back to what we were saying about being part of the story i wanted to work in that store uh, sorry, yeah. uh and and be part of that and go to the dances at night and stuff and uh, and when he came back to the present time um you know i really i just felt a sadness that he wasn't there all of a sudden and um, I just find it incredibly powerful and beautiful. And when people come in and say, look, you know, I, oh, I'm looking for a book and, and you know, 112263, do, do they often have that? Oh, but it's Stephen King. Yeah. He writes horror. And then what's been the, have you heard any of the follow on stories of some of those people ha that have walked out with 112263? Yes. Yeah. So one thing I love about my job is recommending books and, and yeah. coming up for suggestions for people. And the reason why I know some of the books I recommend are really good is they come back in 
and buy that book for a friend. <laughs> Brilliant. And, and say, I read it, I loved it, and I want it. And there's four or five books that that happens quite regularly. 112263 is one of them. So if I see them come in and they say, I loved it, I want a copy so my friend can read it, I'm going to have to persuade them because they don't like horror. Um, and, and then we have that whole conversation again. But the other thing is that they then say, can you recommend something similar or are there other King books that yeah. are like that, that aren't too gruesome and, and scary? And that's when you can sort of say, well, you know, you've got Rita Hayworth here. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, you can then edge them into some of the slightly darker ones. And actually, there's a couple that I can think of that have just got now hooked on Stephen King and are just reading all of his books. And I don't care, you know, how dark or... or or um how gruesome they are they've they've just got the bug of his writing which which i love it's it's oh, um what makes that, not quite fulfilling that's that must be so so rewarding to know that and to know that yeah that you've broadened those horizons and, and some of those stigmas are gone and that they've discovered this love for this incredible writer and uh as you say so often it's dealing with some of the the, the human monsters it's the psychological terror. Um, yeah. And again, so much of that reputation, I think it's been chipped away bit by bit. But, um, you know, often I'll say to people, Look, if you read, take a book like The Shining, you know, The Shining. Yeah, uh, of course, you could look at it as, yeah, it's a haunted hotel, but it's it's about, you know, a, a man dealing with addiction. Yeah. And as so many King books, it's dealing with a man who's just pushed to the edge and dealing with addiction, dealing with a family that's disintegrating in front of his very eyes because of him. And you watch this descent. It's that psychological, um, it's suspense rather than horror, for sure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think, and, and I can't quite pinpoint why King gets a reputation that he does. I don't know if it's maybe the it film and, and and the book and yeah i i wonder if it's maybe you know a lot of it i think goes right back to the beginning you know opening with carrie and yeah. then immediately following up with salem's lot so you've got you know carrie and then you've got the vampires of salem lot and i think his publisher at the time said look if you do this you will get a reputation as a horror writer yeah and he was like, I don't care this is the book i'm going to do and i think that kind of then started to stick um yeah. But as you say, it's worth that conversation. Someone go, look, just take that preconception. Just re trust me on this. Yeah. Read this, and you'll see it is so not what you th what you thought it was. Yeah, and 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 also going back to the Shining, what you, um, there is um, a book by Will Carver. He's a local author, and very much uh, one of the, the the taglines that his publisher talked about. Uh, Sorry, it wasn't his publisher. One of the the bloggers talked about was um, if you like The Shining, you'll like The Beresford by Will Carver. Yeah, and that was a big selling point for us in the shop. You know, we just put a sign up to say if you like The Shining, if you like yep. Rosemary's Baby, The Beresford is the the, the book for you. And um, and The Beresford is our biggest selling book in the shop by quite some way. Um, and you have a you have a you have a bell, don't you? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so every uh, tell us about the bell. Every time um, I sell a Will Carver book, uh, we ring a bell and whiskey appears on his desk. Apparently, <laughs> I don't. I'm never there, so I don't know if whiskey does. Uh, he must it. be. He must be permanently pissed, though. Yeah. As you say, it's the biggest selling book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should explain as well. So Will was um, and his partner Kel were very instrumental in me getting the shop up and running when mm. I was still working. 
um it was my birthday and i went round and they had a they had a sort of a card but it was quite a padded envelope and I opened it and the name forebears books comes from my surname forbes and will and kel's uh, children have always called me forebears instead of forbes and uh will had drawn uh, pictures of bears and so every time i turned over a bit of card it said one bear two bears, <laughs> three bears four bears and and they're hanging up in the shop now and then at the end uh will had bought me an email address and a domain name and it said turn around and there was a statue of the four bears that he'd drawn and he said this is for the shop and at that point i was still working in financial services and i talked a lot about opening the bookshop yeah. but i hadn't actually done anything towards it and it was that moment that I was um I was very much right I've got to do this now let's let's do it let's get on and do it and uh, and I put the wheels in motion okay so you we've looked at your we've looked at your kings but you also get to have a a book with you that is uh, not written by the great man um and oh wow I mean you got so many to choose from here but you know We've had to ask you to narrow it down to just one, to just pick that one book that you're going to take to the island with you. What is, what is it going to be and why? So before I mention that one, The Death House by Sarah Pinborough was a very close second. Um, yes. It's, uh, it, you know, it's set in a world where kids get ill and they go to a house basically to die. Uh, and the the tagline sums it up perfectly uh that toby is a boy who was forgotten to live clara is a girl who was born to die and it's about when clara comes to the house and meets toby who's there waiting to die yeah. and uh their their relationship it, it's absolutely amazing sarah pimba's writing is just exquisite so that that was a close runner-up but my actual choice is the aforementioned will carver hinton hollow death trip Forebears Books actually gets a mention in it. Um, uh, Will writes about a deserted street and Forebears Books, the indie bookshop that refuses to go out of business. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, he he wrote that before I'd opened the shop as well. So there was, uh, I felt the pressure then. But um, I'm sure uh, many people know about the book thief that is narrated by death as a character. Yeah. So Will's done something. Um, quite unique in that the character is evil and narration is evil as a as a as a character and he just goes through and you look at all of the acts that society do um and what they talk about and how they behave with each other and and evil's just there saying actually some people i don't need to touch because they're just not not very nice people and we don't do things that are very nice and everyone could just be a little bit better and a little bit kinder um and uh so there is a killing spree in a little uh rural village uh hinton hollow and uh evil has popped there to um to just see what's going on and uh it's it's just a brilliant brilliant book big cast of characters and uh you see parents being put in uh the um the position of having to choose between their two children and and that parent makes a choice that's probably the worst thing is the parent made a choice and <laughs> the impact of that parent making a choice and i think i'm pretty sure it's hinton hollow death trip um that uh you know will write some pretty dark stuff about yeah. characters and they're you know brutally killed and, and everything like this 
the amount of flack he got because there's something done to a cat in this book, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, and the, the amount of people say, oh, I, 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 it was fine until the cat got injured, and it was, uh, yeah. it was, it was, it was um, but it but it holds a mirror up to society, and um, I, I think that's really important, and it just grounds you a little bit, looking about, saying, actually, can I be that bit kinder? Can I do things yeah. slightly different? And um, it is the third in a very, very loose trilogy. Mm. I would personally, I would say that you should read the, the the two before you read that one. But it's it's. And what are they? What are their names? Uh, the first one is Good Samaritans. Yeah. And the second one is Nothing Important Happened Today. Okay. So yeah, we we love him as a writer, but Hinton Hollow Death Trip is out of all of his books, uh, is probably the one I've read most. I think, mm. and um, it just. Uh, it just never fails to to pull me into that little. Once again, as as we were saying earlier, I want to be in that village of yeah. Maybe not while children are getting killed. <laughs> yeah, I'll go there. I'll go there after when it's calmed down a bit. Absolutely, do do check out Will Carver's books. They are absolutely brilliant. And yeah, what a wicked choice to take. But obviously, you mentioned as well about uh, Sarah Pimbra. Um, other, what other writers? What other books at the moment would you, if if we're streaming into your your shop as we should do, what 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 are you going to tell us to put put in our bags? So um, th- there's stuff from all sorts of different genres. Uh, I, I really, I really like some of the Greek mythology sort of retellings and stuff. Several years ago, I wrote uh, a couple of short stories about Hades being a good guy, and actually, he was just, <laughs> you know, that he made the best decision at the chance at the time that he could. Um, so, uh, so I, I do love going back to the Greek mythology, um, and then recently uh sorry just just uh reminded myself what's on the shelf uh victoria selman did a, a great book called truly darkly deeply mm. um so victoria came to the shop she was brilliant and it's about uh uh a serial killer um and his family so there's a little girl sophie she's eight years old and her mum meets matty and uh a few years later matty is arrested for being a serial killer and then you roll forward sort of 30, 40 years and Matty is asking to see Sophie because he's about to die in prison. And um, it's there's no gore in there. There's no gruesome. You don't hear much about the murders. It's all about the emotional impact mm-hmm. that a serial killer, serial killer sorry, has to uh, both the victims and the family that, that he's part of. When Victoria Selwyn came to the shop, she asked everyone in the audience, who can name five serial killers? And lots of people put their hands up. And she said, who can name five victims of serial killers? And no one put their hands up. So it's very wow. much looking at the emotional God, side powerful. of a serial killer uh, and the impact it has. Um, so that's a beautiful book. Um, there's another one that is certainly not horror in any way. It's called um, Before the Coffee Gets Cold. It's a Japanese translation and it's about a cafe in Japan that if you sit in a certain seat, you can travel yeah. inside. And there are a number of rules, uh, but the three main rules are you can only travel within the, the the cafe. So you can't go off to different parts of the world. Um, you must come back before the coffee gets cold, hence the title. And then the most important rule for me is you can't change the present or the outcome of the present anyway. Mm. So if you went back in time and stopped someone being shot, as soon as they left the cafe, they'd be run over by a car or something. So that yeah. 
that the present day outcome would still be the same. Again, that theme of going back and you know can't change you can't change the past and what happens if you do and the impact it has i mean obviously you're taking 11 22 63 with you yeah. we see what happens there if the past is changed and it's um yeah it's it's a really beautiful book and as you said there's something just really clean and and efficient about the prose but also very beautiful without any sentimentality right. whatsoever have you got a book in you yourself? And I know you said that you've written a couple of short stories. What, where do you come at things as an author and what's your sense of that? So um, I, I always laugh because we host a writers group in the shop mm. and quite often people say, oh, everyone's got a book in them. For the majority of people, that book should stay in them. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've read some of the, the people that drop books off. Uh, it's, it's 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 a bit like that definite what is it the definition of a gentleman is someone who knows how to play the bagpipes but doesn't yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and as someone who's learning the bagpipes i can uh, I can, uh <laughs> oh, really? a, a little bit I've, your I've, house must be noise levels you've got bagpipes versus baby versus yeah the, the bagpipes haven't come out probably in about 18 months but um, <laughs> um uh, i need to find a field somewhere but um <laughs> and 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 very quickly um there is there's a self-published author that came in and said uh, will you stop my book and i said well you know i'll maybe he said there are nine of them and i said well you know i'll maybe stop one he said can you stop book five onwards or, or one of them because I've been told one to four were pretty rubbish. <laughs> better after book five. And I just thought, this isn't, how am I going to sell that to a customer? And, um, You're not really now, selling it. <laughs> he now drops me fan mail from Edith in Dorset that loved his book and stuff like that, just to try and convince me. But, you know, go, going back to recommending books to customers, my, my recommendations are my business. If people leave, yeah. if, if I'd recommended before the coffee gets cold to you, and you'd come back and said, that's a stinker of a book. You wouldn't be coming back to the shop anytime mm. soon or certainly not asking my recommendation. So I am very careful mm. now compared to when I opened about what goes on the shelf. Yep. Can I either stand by it or know people that stand by that? Yeah. Book? That's not, yeah. that's not always the case, but, um, but uh, in terms of that, that I know that, but you know, having, having people self publishing, you know, random stuff is a bit like, well, I don't, I don't want customers picking that up thinking that I've that I've verified this book and mm. I'm I'm standing behind it. But but going back to the the author question, um, you know, I, I dabbled with writer. I'm I'm not a good writer. I've I have lots of ideas. Yeah. At one point, I had a cork board at home, which was very much uh, sort of a, a fantasy set series, and there were you know tribes that lived on the land. There were tribes that lived underwater, and there were tribes that lived on the cloud, and uh, in the cloud, sorry, and and it was uh, their different sort of adventures, and probably a bit sort of YA based, maybe. But mm. don't one, I don't have the time, and uh, and two, I'm just I have ideas that I'm just not very good at it. It's uh, and and, well, uh, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, you see, that's the thing. I mean, I, I yeah, I'm such as you know, such an avid reader, and um, you know, for for me, is nothing better, nothing better than 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 books and um, and stories, and and I'm just in awe of people that are able to capture these incredible ideas and you know present them in the most beautiful, powerful writing. Because there's the thing about having the idea. But then alchemizing it into a story that you want to read. I mean, that's I, I'm just in awe of that. 
Have you ever refused to to stock a book? No is the quick answer. I mean, mm. I did, did have someone. I did have someone order uh, Mind Kampf, uh, which. Um, uh, and 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 I chatted to some other booksellers about what do you do, and they were split wow. in the middle. Some yeah. used to order it in. Um, so just to give people an idea, there were around six and a half to seven thousand books in the shop, um, and there are over nine million books in publication in the UK at the moment. So I've got a teeny tiny fraction of what's available. So we can generally order stuff in that arrives sort of next day or within forty eight hours. Um, so in terms of people ordering stuff in, I have no uh, I have no restrictions to that because yeah. if someone wants it um, and, and, and with a lot of these things, I don't know where to draw the line, you know, because there will be there's some very definite no no's and some very definite yes, yeses. But then there's bits that fall into the grey bit in a lot of situations. And it's just much easier to say, actually, if my suppliers are providing it and you know the book's not illegal then 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 i'll get it um you know i'll probably think less of that person for certain books yeah um but but there isn't any sort of uh, uh restriction on what i'll order um I, I think when i think about what's i'd stock in the shop um that's then a different sort of internal conversation i have and i'm not afraid to admit i'm quite petty so if I've met an author and they were rude to me, uh, <laughs> their books aren't on the shelf. <laughs> I know they're not going to miss the the sort of 20 copies I may sell. Um, yeah. I've got the moral high ground here. That uh, Yeah. Uh, so who I, I ask myself, who am I to say what is morally right and morally wrong? Yeah. Uh, in terms of I, I know what I think is morally right and wrong, but, um, mm. uh, you know, the, when it becomes illegal things, and that is something yeah, of course, yeah. completely different. But there are certainly some well-known children's authors that, um, you know, are sketchy at best yeah. um, in terms of uh, terms of how they've conducted themselves in their personal lives. And so I very much say, I mean, Roald Dahl is the classic one. There's lots in the news about his stuff being rewritten at the yeah. moment, and, and I wouldn't have rewritten it. I would have, I would have said that was as a time, yeah. And, and you know once again coming back to where do you draw the line then what are we going to edit next and how much will we edit from that so Roldal's books are brilliant um there are other authors who are quite sketchy and their books may be popular but I think they're not very good books and Mm. uh, and and so those ones I'm much happier just saying you know what I'm not going to stock it I maybe have one in because I know that someone yeah. will, will certainly if it's a new release that will ask for it. But but if not, I'll order it, order it next day. But it is a really tough sort of line to walk because um I don't want to be sort of too preachy or yeah or, or try to say you must you can't read that because it was so and so. Um so as I said, I'm petty and and I'll be honest, I, I let what I personally think about a book. Mm. provide the the, the the decision at the end of the day but again that's the beauty yeah, of being you know you, you you're the boss you're the yeah. man so you can and you know people want that and respect that but again as you say you know looking at you know the, the push to rewrite dahl ian fleming's books again yeah. you know when you look at that character of bond and especially in those early books i mean some of it is you know of course by our standards nowadays 
it really, really sticks out a mile. Some of the misogyny that's there, some of the violence, um, especially some of the racism in particular. Yeah. But again, you know, how, it's an interesting discussion of well, what is, you know, how much do we view it through our modern lens and our sensitivities, you know, and how much does the book stand for what it was at that time? Yeah. The art and the artist. I mean, I guess with that, you've actually got the text itself that that can spark a response. But as you know, there's those authors that might have books out that are best-selling books globally, and then they drop a clangor on Twitter with a personal opinion or a view. I mean, you know, let's be honest, the whole J.K. Rowling uh, issue that, you know, caused a lot of, there was a lot of heat around that. There was a lot of noise. There was a lot of discussion. She lost a lot of support and fans. Again, does that tarnish the legacy or should those books speak for themselves independently of the author's opinion so for me the the books speak for themselves i i have had uh you know over the i've got to know a lot of my customers very well and uh some popped in recently and said we're moving to bristol and i said they we just wanted to say goodbye but one of them had popped in every two days in lockdown just to say hello and i think i was quite sort of a helpful to him just for someone to talk yeah. to and uh, when he was leaving he said um the, or the, the the couple said to me just one thing we'll change about your shop and I said what's that they said uh we don't think you should stop JK Rowling you shouldn't stop Harry Potter and I said I completely respect your opinion about that and I completely understand where you're coming from the the two things for me uh one of them is I need to pay the bills <laughs> uh, and 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 I sell a lot of Harry Harry Potter books and, and kids love Harry Potter. And then I sort of comes on to the second bit is that my 11 year old uh, at home um, loves the Harry Potter books. They are on audio book loop. Yeah. Uh, and if he's not listening to it, he's reading it. Yeah. And, um, and so I just see the enjoyment he gets out from mm-hmm. reading. And I think actually he's got no idea what's happening in the, the news. And I love the Harry Potter books. And so I think for that enjoyment, I think the the, the book does stand on its own. Yeah, he's abs- he's completely lost within Hogwarts, isn't he? Yeah. He's lost wrapped up within the magic of that book. In the same way, you know, when I grew up, for me, it was Roald Dahl's books. Yeah. You know, I remember being a kid and dad reading to me. I always so remember my dad reading to me when I was ill as a kid, uh, Danny, the champion of the world. That was my, that was my, yeah. and again, the emotions that, that are connected to my love of that book. And then Charlie and the BFG, and then moving on, when I first started to read, I guess, more young adult, as you class it then, you're going solo. Yeah. And big, you know, and 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 Roald Dahl talking about his his life and, um, you know, his, his time in the RAF. And again, I knew nothing. Because yeah. that was social media wasn't a thing there, so you didn't have Wikipedia pages. You just knew very little about the people, apart from the fact that well, it didn't matter about them. I didn't. I wasn't interested in yeah. him. I just wanted to know what was the world that he was building and creating for me. Now, of course, it's so different because there is an expectation and a level of tra- well, everything is transparent now. Okay, isn't it? You yeah, know, separating and, and- that. A conversation I have I've had with customers a lot the last week with the Roald Dahl stuff coming out in the news is, um, you know, absolutely books can influence young minds and they're developing and and everything like that. But I read Roald Dahl, and you know, I know 
how to be a decent person or I like to think I know how to be a decent person. I think the role models we have in our lives, mm. whether it be parents, teachers, other adults, are so much more influential than some of the text in a Roald Dahl book. You know, we've seen recently uh, in, in the States a list of books that are banned and, you know, uh, King is on there. You're just some of these incredible texts, incredible, powerful, emotive, challenging texts that people are saying, no, you you can't have access to that. And as King has often said, you know, if they start to put a book on the ban list, get to the library and make yeah. sure that's the very first book you get hold of. And quite often these voices have enough barriers in the world to get their book out there um, mm. in, in the first place you know, without us introducing uh, our own barriers and saying people shouldn't read this. It's, um, it's uh, yeah, I, I just don't get it. But uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Alex, you, we've got your books on the on the island, but also we're going to let you have a few other things to, to while away your time. Uh, one of which is you can take a film with you. And as you said, I mean, you used to used to run a cinema, right, for a few years. So, yeah, I was a cinema manager. Uh, so <laughs> when um, when I was 16, I, I worked in our local cinema. And then when I went up to university in the Midlands, um, I got a job there as a part time manager. And then yeah. uh, when I left uni, they just said, well, you can carry on being a manager if you like. And so I did that for a few years before I sort of wanted to come back to Reading. And uh, I, I loved the job in the cinema. And actually, me and my friend at the time uh, had drawn up a business plan about uh, opening up our own cinema because working for a big corporation was great. But actually, there was there was some things that I wanted to do so much differently, like, you know, having a personal touch, um, you know, mm. having some sort of concierge or, or someone that can, mm. you know, you, you're working in a cinema, the amount of people that ask for taxi numbers or, you know, where's good to eat or drink nearby. And actually, if you just have a person there that can do some of that for you, yeah. it just makes the experience that bit better. And going to the cinema should be an experience. It, it, it's much more totally. than just when you sit down in the screen. It's yeah. from that moment you get out the car and walk yeah. through the doors. And little things like, so if they went to see the Green Mile, you know, you'd have a whole bunch of, you'd come out and there would be a whole bunch of Stephen King books for sale and Tom Hanks films to buy on DVD. Because, I mean, this Brilliant. was back in the, the early noughties. So yeah. it was very much about... Um, you know, seeing what else we could do. And the, the only reason it didn't really go ahead was my friend, uh, his fiance uh, became pregnant and he just said, you know, financially I can't risk it. But also we were willing to work 80 hour weeks to to get this cinema off the ground. And uh, he just said, I just can't afford that time at the moment. Yeah. And looking back, I think that was probably, um, probably the, 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 the right decision for, my life at, at that point I think uh, I didn't I didn't think I I don't think I knew enough back then just about life in general and running a business and stuff so I think it would have probably failed before it started but I, I loved working in the cinema just being surrounded by films the good and the bad and and uh, chatting about films with people all day and it's much like having a bookshop it's something I love and I was on holiday last July and when I had an office job I used to get a little knot in my stomach before I went to back to work after yeah. I've a holiday of all oh, what's gone wrong you know what emails am I going to face and, and everything like that and uh in July I just didn't have that at all coming back into the shop I just thought I can't wait to get in and chat about books amazing that's, 
that's my job. <laughs> I just get to talk about books all day. And, you know, on Tuesdays, uh, obviously, if Claire's listening, I'm tidying the shop and doing everything I need to. But on Tuesday afternoons, I sneak in a little read in the afternoon for an hour. I've got my little reading time because it's always important on a Tuesday. Well, again, and none of this has happened by happy accident. You know, it, it's the courage, the guts, the determination, the focus to go, you know what, I'm, I'm in a job that, you know, financial services that might not be giving me the meaning to my life I want. And so... Yeah. It's it's a very inspiring story um, to hear, Alex. It really is, man. And but you know, well, you haven't got a cinema here, but you have between a couple of palm trees. You've got a a, a, a screen just laid up. We've got a projector. You're the projectionist. You're the concierge. What film are you going to be hosting for the inhabitants of the island? So I only decided about this about five minutes ago. Uh, I've got two written down. So remember, remember the Titans. I'm sorry you didn't make it. I've watched that film more than I've watched any other. Uh, but the film will be uh, Tom Hanks. Actually, is Saving Private Ryan. Oh. I think I think the first sort of half hour of that film, uh, no one, uh, mm. sort of my age, knows what it's like to be on that beach that day. And I'm not for a second saying that that film, you know, goes goes that close to it but just the being sucked into the moment and the horror of it and I remember watching it uh when I was um so I was at school and I went to the cinema straight after to to watch it and I just remember looking about not knowing what was going to happen next what was happening then all of a sudden there's a guy without his leg and I was just absolutely transfixed and uh I just thought it was such a beautiful bit of filmmaking and then the story as they as they look for him and uh with the classical music at the end yeah. and and the different the different characters it was just um uh it was i just think it's a beautiful film and and weirdly i don't know why this has happened but i've had I've, my parents have always had dogs and whenever one of the dogs has died for some reason when i've had a few drinks saving private ryan is the the film i i put on to cheer me up which uh is a bit weird but um and uh, i only just remember that now but <laughs> I, I I go I think back to um you know Private Ryan at the end when he's an old man and he's mm. his wife have I been a good person and and that is something that I ask myself I try to ask myself every day yeah. you know have I tried hard and have I been a good yeah. person and you know what sometimes the answer is no and no and and that's okay because then I think well I just need to try a little harder tomorrow um in in both those things but I just think that line at the end about you know, has he been a good person? Has he led a good life? I think that is um, something we shouldn't wait until we're an old man to ask ourselves. I think it's something that if we if we asked ourselves all that every day, you know, Hinton Hollow Death Trip wouldn't, you know, evil would be, would have a lot less to work with in terms of influencing people. Yeah, exactly. Evil would uh, definitely go out of business. Yes, um definitely. But interestingly enough, as you, you know, uh, as Will said about you, you know, the the bookshop that refuses to go out of business. How, I mean, what are the challenges that are facing independent um, bookstores at the moment? So I think some of it is transparency, actually. So um, there's an art, there was an article in the UK press the other day about the number of independent bookshops was at a 10 year high, which is fantastic. But what it doesn't mention is the bookshop that had, I can't remember how much it was, five, ten thousand pounds donated by Russell Crowe, 
the actor. There was the bookshop that had 15,000 by Michael Sheen, the actor. There is the countless bookshops that have done regular crowdfunding to stay in business. There is the even more bookshops where the managers don't take a wage um, because they don't need to, but also to keep the, Mm. uh, because the business can't afford to pay them a wage. And, And there were, there were, there were at least one month, if not two last year, where I didn't take anything out the business because you know Claire and I had worked hard and and um I didn't need to but also the business couldn't really afford to yeah yeah cash flow thing so I think articles like that were brilliant but people came into the shop and said oh you guys must be thriving because it's it's all easy and I was like it's not it's really every day is difficult um and you just got to take a day at a time but the price you know, Amazon will beat us on price for some things. Supermarkets will beat us on price. I always see them as a bit of a gateway drug. You know, if, as you say earlier, if someone's going in, getting a sandwich, picking up, you know, a bestseller for half price, that's fine. Because what I hope is they read it and they say, oh, I want something else by that author. Yeah. Oh, Tesco don't have anything else by that author because they've only got six books. Um, and then they'll come to me and say, we'll go to our local, their local bookshop. Um, I think one thing that frustrates me a little is there used to be a thing called the netbook agreement, um, which uh, stopped in the 90s. It, it came into force 1899. So it's a little history lesson. Um, mm. And um, it, it basically said that you can't discount uh, newly published books. Mm. Um, and it was here till the mid 90s. And then due to sort of campaigning by big chains, it then got removed in the the, the mid 90s and people said that it was uh illegal to say that something must be a minimum price right and that opened the doors to the supermarkets um to to waterstones and wh smith doing let's say buy one get one half price mm-hmm. uh, and and amazon as well doing things and um france germany and i think belgium still have similar arrangements in place mm-hmm. and you will walk down the street and their indie bookshop scene is thriving because they they don't have to worry about competing with price uh, in terms of everyone is broadly charging the same thing. Yeah. So for me, I know I can't compete on price. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't keep me up too much at night. But what I know I need to do is good book recommendations, good customer service, yeah. that friendly local bookseller. And if I get that right, I've got half a chance. Um, but it's that transparency thing. I wish people. Uh, so there is a certain bestseller that um, the supermarkets had uh, a good deal on. And part of the reason they had a good deal on it was those particular books were made of cheaper paper. So actually the supermarkets, the, the publishers could afford to sell it to the supermarket at a much lower cost. Mm. So I've got nice fancy thick paper. I'll be honest, I'll take the cheaper paper. I'll, 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 I, would have, I would have done that if that was an option. But um, yeah. but, but people think that I'm just charging more because I'm greedy or wanting to make more money and um you know and and business rates as well it's very boring but uh, but just paying the council a rate just because i'm open when yeah. you don't when you don't have that for online businesses it's just uh you know it's just frustrating but well that's the thing isn't it again you know books are a portable magic the bookshop is just magical you know you're they're surrounded by books i think it's very easy for someone who's not involved in it to look and go oh my god this is just a dream job god you're so lucky you just get to be around books and talk books and sell books and but as you're saying as you know you know it it's a hard 
blood, sweat and tears, you know, and, and, and a lot of the stuff, a lot of the practicalities, a lot of the overheads. But you've absolutely I mean, we're very lucky to have a really thriving community where we live. And it very much seems to me that, you know, Four Bears is right at the heart of that. And, and that's such testament to, to, to yourself and that 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 human touch that you've got with everybody. Um, and you don't get that by going to a supermarket or online. You really don't. Um, and and for all the little whinings I have about you know the the, the lack of transparency and um, and also I should say that if you're buying a book for much reduced price, that's less money going to the author and to the publisher. Yeah, and, right. And if yeah. every book was ninety nine p, the whole industry would collapse eventually yeah. um, because there, there's no money in it. Um, but as much as I can complain about little things, it is made so worthwhile with some of the interactions I have with customers. So we planned to open. So it was really sad leading up to Christmas Day because lots of people said they weren't spending Christmas mm-hmm. Day with anyone. So they lived on their own. So next Christmas Day, we're going to open our doors for a few hours, with, not to not to sell any books, but to uh, have some board games and some mulled wine and uh, oh, and, and, and uh, mince pies and just say, you know what, we'll be op- the doors will be open for three four hours, and if you want to pop down and have a Christmas chat come and have a Christmas chat. Mm-hmm. And um, we organised an author, a children's author, going around to schools last week. And one of the schools, sadly, the majority of kids have to use food banks on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's quite a deprived school. They were just so excited to see an author. Even the, the head teacher came running out to us and said, we've never had an author in this school before. This is this is amazing. Thank you. And all of the all of the kids had written questions on post-it notes, and one of them left the school and said, "This was the best school day ever." And you know, so for all of the 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 tough moments and the the moments, I think should I go back and get an office job just to make sure I can provide for my family and we can afford you know the holidays that 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 people want. I then see those moments and think, you know what, I'm doing an okay thing here, and and okay, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't pay the bills. I can be creative about how we pay the bills. We're putting on festivals and we do a thing called Blind Day with a book that's uh, uh, popular and we've got book clubs and children's book clubs and all that. But actually those moments where we're just doing something for the community. Yeah. And when I opened, I wrote down five things that I wanted the bookshop to achieve and something. Oh, and, and one of the five things was be a part of the Cavendish community and get children passionate in reading. And uh, we're going to continue working at that because that is so rewarding, you know. Mm. And if the bookshop closes next month, it closes next month. But I've, I've I feel uh, really proud of some of the things we've achieved with with getting local kids and people that that aren't into reading into the loving of books. Yeah. Sorry, that was a terrible sentence. Yeah. It, <laughs> listen, no one will care about that because it's the sentiment and and what you're doing and. Again, those questions that you ask yourself at night, I think you could definitely answer in the affirmative, uh, you know, absolutely for for that. Well done, man. It's awesome to hear. So listen, a couple more bits of business on the island because, you know, you've got your books, you've got your film, but you also get an album. You get an album that you can listen to. Uh, so, you know, when you just fancy a little bit of uh, sonic stimulation, what are you going to go for for your album? I'm going to go for Word Gets Around by Stereophonics. Um, I still remember the day that I first saw that album cover. My friend, uh, Paul Stephen, had uh, the CD at school. And I was like, oh, what's that? And I read the lyrics of, uh, of of some of the songs and I just thought, this is 
brilliant. I love this. Uh, I went home and nagged my mum to take me into town to HMV and I bought one. <laughs> and um, I just think that, you know, it's got the the whole range of, you know, the up, uh, upbeat sort of rocky songs. But then Billy Davies' Daughter, which is the last track, which is just beautiful guitar work about uh, someone that took their own life yeah. uh, uh, and um, uh, in a village. Uh, and um, it, it's just such a beautiful, poignant mm. song. And sometimes when I got in the car, when I had my little disc man in the car plugged into the, the cassette. Yeah, I had that. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would skip to that track straight away yeah. because, you know, uh, I want to, you know, sometimes you want to listen to local boy in a photograph and uh, and thousand trees and stuff and get really up there. And, and then sometimes you just want to sink yeah. into that mellowness and that sadness. And, and that's fine. That's, you know, that's a, it's good to feel those emotions. So listen, that is yours. Yeah, word gets around. Absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful album. So you've got that, but you've also got a couple other things as well. Now, obviously, you are on a podcast, on one of the leading podcasts, of course, though we're not biased here. But I found, you know, the power of podcasts, the intimacy of it. Um, and recently, especially on long, long dog walks, just, you know, having that connection to a really good podcast. I've been listening to a couple that have really rocked my world. And we thought we'd add this as a new feature. So you're the first castaway, first castaway who also gets to choose a a podcast that you want to have. Uh, So when you've, you know, you finish listening to Word Gets Around, but you fancy listening to a bit of spoken word, what podcast are you going to choose? So this one, this one was really tough. Obviously I wanted to, uh, I uh, wanted to say king size, uh, but I thought uh, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd think about what else I like. So I love my sport and my film. So mm. hello to Jason Isaacs. I love oh. Mayo. Um, uh, Tinkety tonks down with yeah, the Nazis. Exactly. Um, and uh, so I love I love football, and the, I listen to too many podcasts. I love the US Office, and mm. the Office ladies do a great rewatch. But I decided on Tailenders which is a mm. cricket podcast by Greg James and uh, Jimmy Anderson and uh, Felix White from the Maccabees. And they say it's a cricket podcast. They they talk about cricket a little bit. <laughs> it is just, uh, and it's a sort of a repeat theme. You just feel like you're in the pub chatting with them yeah. about cricket, a bit about life. Um, they have funny stories. They have sad stories. Um, there's a guy called Matchin who's related to a great, cricketer Sachin Tendulkar very distantly and he comes up with a quiz every week of a different cricket quiz so there's a bit of sort of mental challenge there and uh, it's always I sort of punch the air when I get a question right in the shop so and the reason why part of the reason I decided it is that I probably listen to too many podcasts because I'm always trying to catch up with everything yeah. and tail enders king size and and probably a couple of others are the two that always jump the queue and go straight to <laughs> so I've, I've got the i've got the today uh i saw king size pop into the feed so that is next on the list on the way home so uh brilliant so very much looking forward to that and uh i keep telling uh customers about king size as well every time they buy a stephen king book i'm like oh, you should try listening so hello customers of four bears uh please come back soon um and um <laughs> but, but but tail enders is uh one that certainly just goes to the top and i know i'm just going to have a good relaxed time yeah it's never going to disappoint. I'm never going to drift off and then have to rewind going, oh, I wasn't wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. They just have me gripped for the hour. 
So a couple more bits for the island. You Before we come to the king that's going to be your uh, stoking your fire, you can have a luxury item. Again, and it can be as uh, go against the laws of physics, gravity, science, as big or small as you want it. What luxury item are you taking bed. onto the island with you? Just a bed. Just a bed. bed. Just a bed. Is sleep on your mind, my friend, <laughs> or, or lack of? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But but also, so, so you know, a, a, I figure I'm on the island. I've got to do some hard work here and there in building yeah. fires and, and stuff like that. So I think if I'm well rested um, and also in those little stormy nights, um, just going under the covers, reading a bit of Hinton Hollow Death Trip with all its, uh, you know, or, or, or some of the, the, the spook, the, not the spooky, but the sort of gorier bits of uh, the Green Mile uh, and even uh, even the the, the, uh, the long walk in the Batman books. I think yeah, yeah. being under the covers, just uh, just reading, like transport me back to being a little kid, uh, reading under the covers again. I think that would be pretty magical. Brilliant. Well, you've got it. You've got it. You've got that bed. You've got your bed for sure. And speaking of, you know, obviously transporting us back to being little kids, you know, at the moment, you know, as you said, big big drive is getting kids into books and getting kids reading. Um, you know, what, what's what's it like at the moment? Because, uh, you know, I for our 10-year-old, our you know, kind of, it's really hard to get her to read. She loves stories, but she loves getting her stories via the iPad and YouTube. And, you know, I think for her, maybe it's the way I've pitched it, but books seem like something that are almost associated with hard work. What would you do with uh, someone like me to get my daughter into reading? Graphic novels, comic style books, yeah. you know, so she's probably a bit old for the sort of dog man and, and bunny versus monkey but um his dark materials has uh just released them as a set of graphic novels and stuff with plenty of pictures and text yeah. the, the interesting thing with the, the graphic novels and comic style is kids go back and reread it over and mm. over again or they 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 pick it up and read it from the middle which we wouldn't normally do mm. with a sort of chapter book um, yeah. as such and actually you know it's a really easy access to get them to just get in a book, getting used to holding a book and picking up a book. And, um, and, uh, and then I think that then is a gateway into saying, Oh, I want to read a slightly different story or, uh, mm. and interestingly, so Jacob, the 11 year old, um, loves, loves Harry Potter. Uh, but he thought he was going to find it. This was a couple of years ago. He thought he was going to find it a bit scary. So he, so we knew lots about Harry Potter, but he hadn't read it and listened to, to the audiobook. And uh, they released an illustrated version of the first, I think, three at that stage. Yeah. And I bought him an illustrated one, and he must have read it in three days. Wow. Uh, and it's a chunky book. Yeah. And then yeah. he said, can I have the next one? And so we gave him all of the illustrated ones. I mean, the biggest, going back to an earlier question, the biggest challenge that I face as a shop is probably Jacob just uh, raiding my shelves. Yeah. Uh, uh, for for books at home, he doesn't have a one in one out policy. Uh, oh, but I love it. Yeah, he, he's exempt. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, but then once he finished the illustrated ones, he dived into the the actual yeah. full text ones, and they just go on a loop now. And I think it's just getting them almost used to, you know, holding a book, reading a book, mm. even if the text isn't too um, too sort of daunting and, and is lighter because it's a comic or a graphic novel, mm. and then they'll either continue reading graphic novels, which are beautiful. There's so yeah, many. Absolutely. I mean, their only problem is they're slightly more expensive than, than um, sort of chapter books. But then I think 
hopefully you'd then find that she would then say, actually, I, I like the sound of this story. Yeah. Um, but also one thing I find with the shop and dealing with kids' books in particular is uh, is you explain what the story's about and quite often they get really interested, you know. So so there are three books that I go to for a certain age group of mm. children. And I think I've perfected the way in explaining what the book is. And all of them are just, I don't think I've had a child not buy that book in the last five months once I've recommended it. And, and what it, book's that? Uh, it's called The Land of Raw. Right. Um, and uh it's so it's, it's about uh, a pair of twins uh, Arthur and Rosie and when they're where they're very little uh they create uh, a land called Raw imaginary and it's got dragons and wizards and magic and it's amazing and as they grow a little bit older uh they think the raw is stupid and immature and it was all just imaginary so why did they even talk about it and then one day their granddad goes up to the attic and he disappears and they realise that Raw isn't maybe as imaginary as they first thought. And so they then have to go to Raw to rescue their granddad. And, oh, um, and great, every, great pitch. And it's the first of three books and they look at the pictures and actually Will Carver's, uh, um, his boy, absolutely loves that series. He was the one that told me about them um, yeah. So uh, before I opened the shop. So, um, you know, I think it's, I've I've read the book and it, and and it is a really it is a really fun book, but mm. just the way in which they hear about what a story is and grabs them, it sort of then doesn't matter what the book's like because they'll pick it up and they'll read it because they're yeah. excited about it. If that yeah, sort of makes sense. that makes total sense. So I guess there is that, as you just demonstrated beautifully there. You know how you how you pitch and present a book because if someone comes up, she goes, "Why should I read this book?" or "Why would you recommend it?" You, you know, there's an onus on you, right? You've got to really, yeah. really, you know, bang. Here's the here, here's the plot. Here, here's the synopsis. Here's the top level. Here's the hook. Um, Absolutely. And where I struggle with is books that I don't, not that books I don't like, but genres I don't like or, yeah. or I, don't, I don't have confidence in. I I, I struggle with that pitch because mm. my, my mm. heart's not in it in the same way because mm. um, I, I, I'm not bothered if Sharon's been single for 10 years and can't find a date. It's like, you know, just to... Uh, you know, it's, it's all right we'll see what happens she'll she'll have a happily ever after um but customers don't want to hear that about the book yeah exactly and is there a typical forebears customer who comes through the door uh, just wonderful people really i think uh th- th- you know there's there's a lovely mix of the uh the mums that come in for their children and always say i must get a book for myself but i don't have time to look um they ha- you know you've got the uh the, the there's a couple of gentlemen that always come in that have seen something in the the guardian or, or the times and have cut it out and uh yeah. scrap a newspaper i think um and the loss of uh lots of grandmas as well do you think the book will last yes uh so before i opened the shop and this was sort of the final nail in uh the, the banner of me opening the shop, I went on a course uh, about how to open and run a bookshop, mm-hmm. uh, which was quite suitably titled. And um, they presented lots of data over the last five years. That, and this was just before lockdown, that people were spending more money on books, more books had been sold. The average price of the book was actually going up despite all the discounts in like Waterstones, Amazon, supermarkets, yeah. etc. And when you look at uh, Kindle... Uh, the, the volume of purchases for Kindles and audiobooks, 
they're sort of stable in their everyone's got their lane so uh, mm. i think i think uh, i could be wrong about this kindle was about 12 percent of book sales was on ebook and, and so and it fluctuates a percentage or two um but but it sort of plateaued at that. And the same with Audible, which was a little bit less, that it just had its lane and it just tiddled yeah. along, sort of fluctuated 1%, 2%. But it wasn't the um, – and you can see the spike of when the ebook came out and uh, it sort of shot right up and yeah. then just dropped back down to, to, to find out sort of um, – so I think, I think you know, the physical book will last. I think where I've started just getting a little nervous about, which will be interesting, is, is all of this um, AI – Mm. Uh, creating text and and um i think i think what i'd really like to see from the publishers as well is some real scrutiny on quality you yeah. know we do see a lot of books you know like the one i said earlier about the lady being knocked over by memory you know mm. just um i think i think that sounds it, like it could have been ai written right <laughs> well, well, yeah yeah um and, and 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 that's what i worry about is that actually if you open the doors to ai producing books um and uh all of a sudden the the market is flooded by even more different books mm. i think it will then be very difficult because there will be a lot of poorer quality books and already we've got great authors uh you know like will carver who who don't maybe get the recognition they deserve because yeah. there's so much so many books that are published that there, there was a day last year that 629 books were published on the same day now a lot of them are academic books, uh, you know, a chunk of them were, but it's that's that's a lot of books, you know, for yeah. one day. It's, it was ridiculous. And uh, you know, it just seems to me that you know, because I'm coming up against the thought of AI, you know, with voiceovers as well. Yeah. You know, well, we do AI for voiceover, but AI for text. Uh, it will never be able to replicate the emotion. And no. for me, you know, that's the thing that what it w- is what connects with the reader is the emotion. And yeah. there are a huge, vast spectrum of emotions that we have, but nothing can replicate that. And and um, we were talking earlier about uh, the, how much the likes of Stephen King or Sarah Pimper can put in one yeah. sentence. You know, that is that so few writers can do it that well. And, um, you know, I just don't think, I just can't see how AI would ever be able to perfect it just like that no because it won't have lived in order to do that you have to have lived right um and i I see that with king in particular i think as he goes on through his career is because there's so much or he's lived so much yeah you know he's experienced death been very close to death a number of times and that infuses the writing you know you have to actually physically have lived it um and felt it in which he has which i never will be able to but I mean, I now having spent the last delicious couple of hours just in love with books and talking about books, I almost feel like there's a nasty taste in my mouth asking this question now. But in the in the um, in the tradition of the survivor type, listen, at the end of the day, right, these nights are going to get cold on the island, and you need to keep warm and you need to stoke the fire, and you don't want to cut down all the trees because you need some of the trees to be able to put your screen up and watch your film. What king book are you going to throw onto the fire? See, sadly, this was quite an easy one. This was this was insomnia. <laughs> I I did not get on with insomnia at all. I maybe need to reread it because it was yeah. it, I was a teenager when I read it, and it was one of the first within the first five king books that I read, 
and it nearly put me off Stephen King completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I read some John Grisham after that. I remember going, oh, I'm going to read some John Grisham because I just, it just seemed like a lot of nonsense at the time. And, uh, I, I, and, and some of it is that I didn't understand some of it, I think. And yeah. even, and even uh, the word, because I think the word kamikaze comes across quite a lot in it, or, or certainly there's a mm. section where it does. I didn't know, and I'll admit, back then I didn't know what a kamikaze pilot was. Mm. Uh, I thought it was one of the characters. I was like, who's this kamikaze chap? And um, and so I do think some of it is that I just didn't, uh, I either wasn't paying attention or wasn't intellectual enough at the time or or, or whatever, but I just did not get on with the book. Yeah. And so when uh, you said uh, to put one on the fire, I didn't really give it any thought because I've, I don't, I don't think I've got the book in the shop, actually, just because it was, if anyone asked me, say, you know, going back to the heart being in the sale and stuff, like, oh, would you recommend this? I'd be like, well, no, no. <laughs> There's exactly. enough different Stephen King books to read without reading that one. Exactly. And the good thing about it, Alex, is it's a real nice, big, chunky one. So yeah. you're going to get you're going to get a nice fire going. <laughs> I, will, I will reread that this year. This is what I'll try and do this year to try and to try and see if. if yeah. Really well, for now, it's going to it's going to keep you warm and keep you alive. And then when we do pluck you off the island, when when your replacement comes in, uh, then, then then maybe you can read that. But again, as you said, there's a lot of books out there to yeah. read and a lot of amazing books within your store. Um, so, Alex, just a final couple of minutes so for people that want to find out more about you and uh your mission and your incredible incredible bookshop uh where can people find you so uh the website is forebearsbooks.co.uk and then i am on instagram facebook twitter um either forebearsbooks or forebearsbooks uk um just because there is a, a little old lady in america that has a forebears website thing as well uh, or social media so <laughs> it's it's not the little old lady one it's the the full <laughs> yeah. and, not the um, little old lady the tall beardy man one yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. happy to to ship all over the world i mean it has just been such a joy having you on thank you so much for for, for your time and your and, and your stories and your story it's just been absolutely awesome oh, and it. you know keep doing what you're doing again and you know there are so many of our uh wonderful listeners that have received you know kind of the right hodders first time from you and as that odyssey carries on you know kind of uh we know that you'll carry on shipping them and so many great recommendations and what we'll do as well we'll get when when we put this out we'll get some links put into Will's books and, and and some of the other authors as well. Maybe a little book list you put together, yeah. and we'll make sure people can can have access to that. Yeah. Alex, my friend, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Find us on Instagram at King Size Podcast, or email kingsizepod at gmail.com if you think you're the survivor type. Music, Firestorm by Last Picture Show, remixed by Brian Southworth-Turner, and all King Size episodes are available on Spotify and iTunes.